everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Well, welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast. We are almost at the end of season two. It's been an extraordinary journey over these past few months. Thank you so much for listening, subscribing, and I have saved the best for almost the last year. I'm so excited to interview Tamron Clintworth. I met Tamron maybe about a year and a half ago at the Synergize 2020 conference in Orlando, and I heard her speak, and you guys are in for just get your seatbelt on. She is full of fire. She is dynamic. You're absolutely going to love her and love her story. She's an evangelist and the founder of In His Name Ministries. She holds a bachelor's of law degree from the University of Johannesburg, and she was blessed with an upbringing in a godly family, receiving the Lord as Savior at the age of five. It was during her law studies that she attended a crusade of evangelist Reinhard Bonnke of Christ for All Nations, CFAN, in Nigeria, and the Lord revealed his calling for her life, crusade evangelism. Upon completing her degree, she spent a year working for CFAN before launching out under the banner of In His Name. Today, Tamron and her team hold mass crusades across the continent of Africa. At these campaigns, thousands accept Jesus as Savior and are filtered into a highly effective follow-up system that results in local churches exploding with new growth. Signs and wonders follow the preaching of the gospel with the sick being healed and demon-possessed liberated. When not on crusade, Tamron ministers in churches and conferences around the world, setting believers ablaze for their own mountain-moving endeavors. She resides in Cape Town, South Africa with her husband, Andre Britz. It is so, I'm so excited, Tamron, to have you today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Angela. I'm thrilled to be here. Hello from South Africa. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I wish I knew some South, I don't know any Afrikaans. I know a couple of Swahili words, but not much (laughs) Afrikaans. I have friends from South Africa and we met in Orlando and at Synergize. And uh, I know that you have such a passion to see souls saved. I would love to just hear more about your story. I know we touched on it there in your bio, but walk us through how God has, has orchestrated your life to see where you are right now in the ministry. Gosh, Angela, you know, I'm, I'm a perfect example of someone who really thought their life was on one trajectory, Mm. you know, and the, the Lord had another plan. Um, And now I could not imagine doing anything else, nor would I want to do anything else, even if the Lord gave me the option. Mm. Um, As you you read um, earlier, I grew up in a a godly home, something for which I am so grateful. Um, You know, still remember the day that I received the Lord as Savior in Sunday school. So just an encouragement to all the Sunday school teachers out there. The Sunday school teacher at the church that I attended did an altar call. You know, we'd do an altar call every Sunday for the kiddies to receive Jesus. And I remember at the age of five, walking to the front, not understanding much about Jesus, but what I knew of him was good. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was a good idea. I wanted Jesus, um, received him as my savior. And the Lord was faithful. He really drew me to himself, you know, throughout my, my school career, if we can call it that. Um, And from early high school, I felt a pull into ministry. 
But I always just assumed, and here's the danger of assumption, I always assumed it would be to believers. Because in my mind, I had never been an unbeliever. You know, I'd only ever known the Lord. I had not known darkness. I had not known the terror of being lost, wholly lost in sin. Mm. You know, all all the friends who I had who, um, you know, are evangelists, um, they all had pasts, histories, um, you know, you know, deep in drug addiction, you know, or crime, you know, and the Lord really saved them out of the darkness. I had no story. I had no testimony in my mind. So I thought the Lord would use me to minister to believers, you know, to draw them into a deeper walk with him, to teach them about the person of the Holy Spirit, you know, to pray for healing, ministering to believers. So evangelism was very far off my radar, Um, started getting to the end of high school, needed to choose what path to follow, what career path to follow, hadn't received any direction from the Lord. And I was raised in a very academic household my father has his doctorate in engineering and for me you know I got to choose between the the big five degrees so it's architecture medicine law accountancy or engineering you know pick one (laughs) and I always loved languages so I thought okay well a law degree can't hurt you know I'll just start studying law um, and see where the Lord takes me you know he can redirect my path at any time and while I was studying the degree, started doing some classes at my church, some Bible school classes, started studying biblical Greek through London University's external program, you know, tried to really, you know, solidify myself in the word of God at the same time, you know, as doing my legal studies. And then I was in the penultimate year of my degree, the third year of a four-year law degree in South Africa. And my mother was invited to go up um, to one of Evangelist Rhino Bonker's crusades. Um, she had befriended the our local office director, the director of the Southern African office, who now happens to be my mother-in-law. The Lord has a oh, sense wow. of humor. He, he wholly married me into crusade evangelism. Um, but my mom had befriended this wonderful woman, Tia. Um, and Tia was taking a group of guests up, you know, to one of the crusades to experience the crusade. My mom had always wanted to attend, you know, Rhino Bonka crusade. But she didn't want to go alone. It was to Nigeria. And, you know, Nigeria is Nigeria is hot <laughs> on every level. <laughs> so even, even South Africans are nervous about going to, to Nigeria. Um, so my mother wanted a, a buddy. So she dragged me along as her roommate. I was curious. You know, I'd also heard a lot about Christful Nations and Rhino Bonka. Um, but I really just went out of curiosity. You know, never expected the Lord to radically change the trajectory that I was on or to speak to me, you know, in any real life defining way. I just wanted to experience the crusade, experience the miracles, experience the loss coming to Christ. So I went with my mom on this crusade. I still remember to this day, I'll never forget. feels like I was yesterday sitting on that stage with Evangelist Bonker turning to the guests and apologizing because the crowd was so small. There were a hundred thousand people gathered on the first night <laughs> Uh, a small small, crowd this is a small crowd crowd. he's very sorry he promises it will grow (laughs) I was completely overwhelmed I'd never seen you know that number of people before and you know that I still remember the moment he picked up that microphone and gave his characteristic hallelujah you know which he he always used to do it it's so terrible speaking about him in the past tense you know it's 
We know where he is and I'm thrilled for him, but it's still sad for us. Um, and he gave that bellow, you know, that hallelujah, that kind of hallelujah that makes every, every pair of demon knees knock together in terror. Um, and I just started weeping uncontrollably, you know, and, you know, my father's a German and I was raised, you know, to, with cer- certain German principles, you know, so I'm, I'm not overly emotional, you know, I'm not, I'm not a teary, you know, kind of woman. I don't often cry. Um, and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. Everything inside of me was connecting to what this evangelist was doing on stage. And I didn't understand. I kept saying, Lord, but I'm not an evangelist. I'm not an evangelist. And, you know, Angela, and, you know, I say this to my eternal shame, but up until that day, I had not won one soul for Christ. I had not, I had not even done one-on-one witnessing, you know, let alone crusade evangelism. I was a closet Christian. I loved Jesus with all of my heart, with all of my heart. I was wholly in love with him. Um, but I was very private about my faith. I did not understand yet the responsibility, you know, that rests on our shoulders, on the shoulders of every believer to share the gospel, not just the evangelist or the pastor, but every believer. Um, so I was a wreck, that whole crusade. I was an emotional wreck. The Lord was at work in me. I had no idea what he was doing, mm. but I knew it was, a, it was a good and proper and thorough work. And then the final night came, the final night of the crusade, over half a million people in attendance, uh, an ocean of humanity. Um, and the Lord spoke to me so clearly, not an audible voice, but it may as well have been audible. It left me shaking on the inside. And he told me with absolute clarity, Tamron, this is what I have called you to do. Crusade evangelism in Africa. And I was, I was shell-shocked, absolutely shell-shocked. I, it, it was, it was a calling that was not, not in my sights at all. But I knew I had heard the Lord. I knew this was the reason that he made me. This was the reason why he formed me in my mother's womb. And I had to pick up the baton. I had to say yes. I had to, I had to step forward and embrace this. Um, so I returned to South Africa, um, had a conversation with my father. I said, Daddy, the Lord hath spoken, and it's not a legal career that I will be pursuing. The Lord has called me to be a crusade evangelist. You know, my poor father, I, think, I don't think any father wants his little girl to come to him and say, Daddy, the Lord has called me, you know, to crisscross Africa, you know, with the gospel. That's a, that's a scary, scary thought for any dad. Sure. You know, but my father's family, they actually came from Germany as missionaries many, many years ago. So my dad understands the strength of a call. Um, and we came to an agreement. I would finish the law degree and then I could launch out with his blessing. So I finished the degree. Two very tough years, you know, when you know this is not what you're going to be doing with your life. Um, but, you know, you've got, you've got textbooks that are so thick it should be illegal for them to be that thick. <laughs> and you have to spot it all front to back and back to front. And the Lord helped me. He really helped me to to push through. And while I was studying, I started evangelizing. 
I didn't know how. I, I still remember I got hold of a little Kenneth Copeland booklet called Welcome to the Family that explains the gospel message. Um, and I, I, I swatted it. I studied it, um, you know, uh, trying to trying to learn how to present the gospel to someone. And I started going to the, the gas stations in South Africa. We have petrol pump attendants, we call them, who actually fill up our cars for us with gas. We don't do it ourselves. So I would go to the gas stations and I would preach to the gas attendants. I would go to the car parks. We have car guards in the car parks, just keeping an eye on the cars because of the high crime rate. Um, and I would preach to the car guards, you know, and, and stumbling all over my words, completely uncertain, mm. you know, fumbling over the gospel, uh, but seeing salvation after salvation after salvation, sort of going into the schools, sort of preaching to the kids, um, just learning how to share the gospel in a, a crystal clear perfectly understandable manner um, planned my first little crusade on a local university campus um, you know just just started wetting my feet and becoming more and more confident you know realizing that the Lord would never allow me to preach to thousands if I had not yet preached to one you oh, know it's a, a bible principle you know it's if you start with the small and you prove yourself faithful with the small and the Lord will then trust you with much mm. um, so I learned, I grew, um, as you read in my bio earlier, worked with Christful Nations for a year. That's actually when I met my husband mm. um, and we, we fell head over heels. Um, and yes, we've, we, we live, eat, breathe, dream, talk, crusade evangelism. You know, Africa shall be saved. That's, that's why we live. That's why we breathe. Um, and we, we now work together, you know, pursuing that that ambition you know Africa shall be saved Mm. Um, and now the Lord has expanded in his name we registered in the U.S. and the U.K. and Ethiopia and South Africa we have a fantastic team and we are having crusade after crusade after crusade tens of thousands being saved at each crusade and we will carry on pushing until hundreds of thousands are saved at each crusade and then one day millions so we are on the go and with Jesus, we are an unstoppable force because the gospel is an unstoppable force. Um, you just open your mouth and you preach and the Lord does the rest. It's actually ridiculously easy. <laughs> I love it, Tamron. I love it. I love it. There's so many things that I love about your story. My husband's actually undergraduate degree was law. So he oh, wow. was, yeah, he was raised as a missionary in Alaska and he just didn't want to go into the ministry. He was fighting the ministry. And so he was pursuing law. He'd actually completed his undergrad degree, was going into, you know, getting his, I guess, the law school portion of it. And he just kept feeling this pull in his heart. And so he went and got his master's of divinity instead. And we've been in ministry full time ever since. So the strength of the call, like you talked about, you, you, you know, when you sense that and, um, you know, I, I had the just the sheer privilege of the Lord giving me one opportunity to be uh, at a crusade. I was in Liberia with evangelist Reinhard Bonnke before his homecoming and Daniel Kalenda. And I was I was actually able to sing at the one of the morning, the fire conferences. And it's just a it's just a moment. Like you said, there's nothing like looking out and hearing 300,000 voices singing to the Lord. And, and like you said, 
witnessing people being saved, being healed, being delivered. Uh, we could talk for hours, I'm sure, about that. And and I love the continent of Africa. I've been nearly 20 times. I'm always a bit jealous when I talk to people who get to live there and do it for a living. But this is my way of, of being a part of that and being a part of what God is doing in Africa when I can't be there. I would love to know how things have shifted for you, at, if at all, from the pandemic. What do you see emerging? How have you been able to continue ministering to people. I follow you on Instagram. So I was, I'm able to keep up with what's happening in the crusades. I know you have been continuously uh, ministering. So walk us through that. And I would love people to know how they can support you and be a part. I would also like to hear a couple of, of miracle moments. I know our audience wants to hear some of the miracles that you have experienced. So if you can kind of tie some of those things together, what your crusades have looked like and how you've seen God moving in them. Angela, to, to start with your first point, I mean, the pandemic has been extremely challenging for us, um, you know, especially when, you know, the lockdowns around Africa were very strict, you know, right at the beginning, um, because our focus is very much in rural Africa, you know, the village communities, the small towns, you know, where internet is extremely poor, you know, if it does exist at all, you know, in that location. You know, so whereas a lot of ministers in first world nations and those called to minister to first world nations could carry on with their ministry online, they just shifted. Yeah. You know, you know, our hands were tied because the people the Lord has called us to minister to, we could not access them. You know, we could not go to them. Um, and that was absolutely heartbreaking for us. You know, so as soon as the rules started lessening, um, you know, we, we, we got, we got going, you know, in South Africa, the rules are still very strict, um, you know, but outdoor gatherings, you know, maximum 500 people, um, you know, for us, that's a home cell, you know, that's exactly, exactly. You know, so we have a team at the moment doing what we call mini crusades, you know, so they go into the highways and the byways into the village communities and they hold, you know, mini crusades mm -hmm. do a lot of door to door evangelism, street evangelism. Um, you know, so we, we, we touch in South Africa in that way. Ethiopia, thankfully, has opened up beautifully. Um, so, so quite soon, actually, um, the, the rules in Ethiopia became less strict. Um, and now, you know, as soon as you're outside of their capital city, Addis, um, you know, mass gatherings are allowed, um, which has been absolutely fantastic for us. Um, you know, they consider it very low risk, you know, in the in the, the outlying communities, you know, so we stick to the small towns, the, the, the village communities, we stick there, and we can have our mass crusades, mm. you know, and we can we can witness thousands being saved. And, you know, we, we always push for the, the big crowds, not because, you know, not because we want to post nice pictures, you know, on Instagram, but you know, the simple fact is that an evangelist, you know, preaches with the same passion, whether that evangelist is preaching to one, you know, or 10 or 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 or yeah. 100,000. You know, the passion is the same. The message is the same. Mm. You know, so to have one message going out there and tens of thousands be saved, you know, not just one or two, you know, that that is what we want. Mm. So we've been able to continue with our crusades in Ethiopia. And that has been, been absolutely fantastic. It has been my saving grace. Yeah. You know, because I was, I was struggling terribly, you know, at, at the beginning. 
um, you know, when everything was shut down because, you know, crowds is, 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 is you know, our industry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crusades are, are all crowd based, mm. you know, and, and, you know, any, any kind of mass gathering, um, you know, has been, has been really, you know, put under, you know, put under restriction, you know, due to this, this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, thankfully, at least in Ethiopia, we can we can keep going. Um, South Africa, we're praying that the rules will continue to relax yeah. um, and we can crusade properly in South Africa again once more. But in the meantime, our team at least carries on, you know, on, on a small scale. Uh, but they're pushing hard and, and they're doing doing very, very well. Um, gosh, the, the crusades themselves. I mean, there's nothing like a gospel crusade. I mean, well, you, you know this from your, from your experience. You know, it's, it's absolutely electric. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's God colliding with humanity um, with nothing between him and them, you know, on a dusty field in Africa. No, no fancy lights or smoke machines or... You know, I've got nothing against those things. They're all wonderful, you know, but it, it, it's, it's simple. You know, the simple gospel is preached. Mm. People come because they're hungry. They understand poverty. They understand that life on earth is tough. They're under no illusion that it's fun and games. It's not for them. They have absolutely nothing. Um, they understand heaven and hell. They want to go to heaven. They understand the concept of eternity and they, they can't wait for heaven. They just want to know how to get there. You know, so for us to be able to share with them how and that it's so easy. It's so easy. You just call on the name that is above every other name. And when we explain the power that is in the blood and the forgiveness that comes mm. when we call upon the name of Jesus, you know, it's, it's like the entire crowd calls on the name of Jesus of one accord for salvation. You know, every hand goes up, everybody cries out together, you know, Lord Jesus, save me now. I believe, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. You know, we pray for healing and the miracles. I always joke at the, at the crusades, um, you know, especially in Ethiopia, the Ethiopians love popcorn. They always serve, serve popcorn with their coffee. And I always say, you know, the miracles are going to pop up like popcorn. Oh. You know, they're, they're going to happen so quickly, you know, and, and, you know, and so generously and, you know, and, and miracles, Miracles, all we need to do is pray in that name. We need to pray in the name of Jesus with whatever faith there is in our hearts, you know, and God does the rest. And, you know, our crowds in Ethiopia, you know, and elsewhere in Africa are too large for us to lay on hands. In South Africa, our crowds are still small enough for us to actually form some kind of chaotic prayer line and to actually wait and then lay hands on people. Um, you know, elsewhere, outside of South Africa, the crowds are too big. We just pray a mass prayer. Um, you know, we rebuke, you know, every disease that the Lord lays on our hearts. Mm. Um, and we pray and the miracles happen. Mm. You know, the blind see and the deaf hear. And those who haven't been able to walk for decades, you know, bounce up and down and bring their crutches or their walkers, you know, their wheelchairs on stage and rejoice. 
Um, it, it's it's spectacular, and we sit back and we hear the stories, and we we sit and we are in awe and in amazement, just like the rest of the crowd is, because miracle stories never get old. You know, it doesn't oh, yeah. matter how many times you you hear testimony of someone's blind eyes opening. You know, the next time you hear the testimony, you're just as much on the edge of your seat. You know, wanting to hear this testimony, this story, yeah. um, this this miracle. Um, and the Lord is so good. Mm. And he's, you know, what always strikes me so often with, with the miracles and the healing testimonies is the Lord so often heals people before they receive him as savior. Yes. You know, this I just found so, I find so precious, you know, God doesn't mind proving himself to them. You know, if we want to put it that way, you know, we, we, we minister in areas, you know, majority of the areas that we minister in, you know, the, the, the main religion is not Christianity. You know, people are worshiping different gods and they, they questioning, you know, they, they wanting to believe, you know, but when you've been raised with a certain mindset and a certain belief system, you know, for that to shift, it, it really takes the hand of God. Um, you know, so the Lord will heal them and they'll come up on stage and they'll testify and they'll say, Oh, you know, this was wrong. Jesus healed me. So, so now I've, chosen him to be my Lord and my savior. You know, he is my God, you know, Jesus is God. Um, and this is, this is just so fantastic. It just shows, it just shows God's limitless love. Yes. You know, that, that the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth would, would stoop to prove himself to someone, you know, who wants to believe, who is desperate to believe, but they've been indoctrinated and brainwashed and they, they just need to be kind of pushed, you know, that final step into the arms, you know, of the father. And God doesn't mind giving them that little push, you know, and delivering them, healing them. You know, we, we pray for deliverance. We see mighty deliverances, you know, witch doctors, you know, receiving the Lord and coming up on stage and boldly proclaiming, you know, I will no longer serve Satan. Jesus is more powerful than Satan. You know, I will now serve Jesus, you know, and, and that, that is beyond thrilling, you know, that, that for me, if, if, if I have to pick my favorite, you know, that, that's my favorite, you know, when, when, when witch doctors, you know, turn, turn to the Lord, you know, I'll never forget one instance where an, an, an elderly witch doctor came to the crusade field. And the only reason why we, we know he came was because he testified afterwards, but he had come with his animal bones, you know, and his muti, and he was trying to cast spells, you know, to, to cause, you know, some kind of mischief, you know, on the crusade field and his spells weren't working. Nothing was working, you know, so he ended up listening to the gospel message instead, you know, receiving Jesus as his savior came you know, shared his story with one of the ushers when the usher came to him, you know, to do follow-up and collect his personal details and give him some follow-up material. He shared his story. You know, we burned all of his, all of his witchcraft paraphernalia. You know, he was mightily delivered. Um, and he's, you know, to, he's a child of God, you know, serving the Lord, you know, still to this day. Um, and he was an elderly man. I mean, probably in his, in his sixties, I would say he had literally served Satan for his entire life. You know, he had never married, never had children, had literally devoted his life, you know, to serving Lucifer. And in one encounter, Jesus just changes all of that, you know, which is, which is, which is 
something only Jesus can do. You know, only Jesus can take a leopard and change the leopard spots, you know, and, right. and all of a, all of a split second, you know, that, that rebirth, you know, the power of the rebirth. I mean, that's a, that's a miracle unlike any other, you know, that's, that's, that's the miracle of all miracles. It is. You're exactly, even Jesus said that, you know, we want the healings and, and the disciples would come back so excited about the things they had seen. And he did say the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of salvation. Mm-hmm. And I, and I know we're almost out of time. I wish I had hours with you, Tamron. I, 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 we could just exchange stories and, and you're so, you're so rich. There's such a richness in your ministry. Uh, I just want for people that may be listening and maybe some of these stories are new for them. Maybe you're listening and you've encountered the miraculous and, and you're, you know, you're taking a lap while you're hearing Tamron talk about this, or maybe some other ones are saying, I don't know. Do I, is that really happening? Is that true? Maybe you're slightly skeptical. I was on the platform with evangelist Bonke and Daniel Kalenda in Liberia. So we were sitting with the pastors on the platform and both of the things that you just mentioned took place in that crusade. And so I just want to offer by means of validation for anyone who might be even just the slightest bit skeptical, God hundred percent is real. He's on the move. He's, he's igniting, like you said, a blaze, uh, setting people ablaze. And we had a young girl at the end because of obviously Reinhard Bonnke's notoriety, uh, you know, you can't, you've got a half a million people in a field, you can't stay there all night, they have to take him out and, and, or we would be there till the wee hours of the morning, but they do, we did stay there each night for at least a few miracle testimonies as people came forward, and a mom came up with her little girl, Tamron, and she was in a pink kind of frilly dress, <clears throat> and this little girl uh, of course, I didn't understand what the mom was saying. So through interpreter, uh, this little girl had been born blind. And I would say now she was seven or eight years old. And as the mom was was sharing that for the first time, her daughter could see, I'm sitting close enough to her, Tamron, to see that this kind of gel-like substance was pouring out of her eyes down her cheeks. And it was if the blindness was literally coming out of her eyes and evangelist Bonke took his handkerchief and wiped her face and he was seeing if she could see the <laughs> handkerchief of course someone said you know, don't ever lose that handkerchief but you know, the power is not in the handkerchief the power is in the as you said in the blood of Jesus Amen. and in the name of Jesus Amen. but the the love of God to to demonstrate his love for people we had a very similar situation of a witch who had come and they said that they had come the day before and they had kind of been scouting the area planning their their attack you know spiritually and and i won't get into a lot of the details there um it it gets pretty intense but she said that they came that night and like just as you said none of their spells were effective nothing was working And she began to testify that, that she now believed in the power of Jesus. And so there isn't anything like that. And there isn't anything like watching people um, receive Christ. And maybe you're listening, you're thinking, well, I can't, you know, I can't go to an open field in Africa somewhere in Ethiopia, but you can just as Tamron said, you can, you can witness to someone in your, in your grocery store at your gas Mm -hmm. station to your neighbor 
I, I don't know exactly the way you worded it. I'll look it up later for the show notes, but we're not going to be able to minister to thousands if we can't share the gospel with one. And God wants to use you as you're listening, wherever you are. He wants you to experience the miraculous. God is no respecter of persons. It's not Tamron. It's not Reinhardt. It's not me. It's it's the power of God. And, and if we just make ourselves available as you did, Tamron, sobbing on that field. And saying, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to say yes and give my life to you in service, radically transforming the direction of your life. I want to know as we close, Tamron, again, I would love to talk to you for hours, but what is your greatest need right now? How can our listeners partner with you? How can they support the ministry that you're doing? Thank you, Angela. Um, At the end of the day, having these gospel crusades costs a great deal of money. Yeah. You know, we need financial support. Yes, we need prayer support, but we need financial support. Um, you know, the places that we go to in Africa are the poor of the poor. Um, we, we request no financial contribution from them at all. We cover every cost. Wow. You know, and it's, um, um, so please, we need people to partner with us financially to make these gospel crusades happen. You know, the beautiful thing about partnering with as financially as you are there on that field with us, you know, without your financial contribution, the crusade would not happen. Mm. You know, that, that is the reality, you know, and the Lord has called the evangelist and the business person to partner together. So together, you know, they can take the gospel to the highways and the byways to those people who cannot afford um, to, to make a gospel crusade happen themselves. You know, the pastors that we, we work with in every area that we, we minister and their churches explode with growth. Mm. You know, they cannot put on a gospel crusade themselves. They don't have the finances. They don't have the experience. They don't have the know-how yeah. um, and the impact that the crusade has on their churches. Um, you know, it, it, it cannot be, it cannot be calculated. It cannot be fathomed. Mm. Um, so, so please anybody who is listening and feels a hot tug, you know, towards what we are doing um, and wants to help bring the gospel um, to those remote, isolated places in Africa. Um, visit our website in his name dot global. Um, there is a big donate button there <laughs> and donate whether you choose to join us and donate once a month, you know, become a monthly partner, whether it's just a once off gift. Um, please support us. Um, so that we can have the next crusade and the next crusade and the next crusade. And one day when we reach heaven, the Lord will show us the millions and we will cry with joy together. And he will say all of these millions made it in um, Mm. because you were faithful and you did your part um, in winning the world to Jesus. So please join us in winning Africa for Jesus and I, I, I repeat what you said, Angela, you know, please, I encourage, you know, all the listeners minister to those around you, yeah. share your testimony. People are broken. People are hurting. Mm. They might put on a mask of togetherness, yeah. but on the inside, if they don't have Jesus, they are a mess and you are their connection with the Lord. And if the Lord can use me, if the Lord can use Angela, I guarantee you the Lord can use you because we ourselves know how weak and fallible we are. We are nothing to write home about. 
Um, we are just two women who said yes mm. to stepping out and sharing the message that Jesus saves. Amen. Amen, Tamara. Thank you. Tell us again the website they can visit to donate. In his name dot global. In his name dot global. And as you were sharing, I want to become a monthly partner. So I'm going to get off of this call today and I'm going to get on there because I believe so strongly in what you're doing. And that is a way that I can partner not only with you and in spirit, I can be there on the crusade field. One day I'd love to be there in person with you on a crusade field. And we'll believe in Jesus name that it'll happen. But I'm going to ask you to pray for our listeners in just a moment. Before we do, um, I would love to just know, Tamron, when you get to heaven, other than Reinhard Bonnke, who's going to have a very long line, <laughs> what, what biblical character do you want to talk to and what would, who do you want to meet? And is there anything that you would love to ask them? Gosh, well, it, it is, that is a tricky question, Angela, because all the Bible characters are so dreadfully impressive. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I would like to speak to Peter and I'll tell you why, you know, Peter was the first one after the disciples had been filled with the spirit, Mm. you know, to gung ho and preach a red hot gospel message. You know, he got the first shot, (laughs) you know, Mm. that, that is, that is a privilege. That is an extraordinary privilege. Um, wow. I, I would like to hear from him how that felt, you know, being among the first, the first lot of Jesus followers to get saturated from top to toe with the spirit of the most high God mm. and then dripping with all that power to step out Come and on. preach to thousands in the same city in which Jesus had not so long ago been put to death. Mm. You know, that Peter went from being fear-filled, you know, to being spirit-filled and, and unstoppable. And that must have been incredible for him, oh, you know, wow. to suddenly be filled with the spirit and that fear that had previously kept him at bay, that had, you know, previously made him sink when he should have walked on the water, yeah. you know, that made him deny his Christ when he should have stood up and said, yes, I know Jesus, I am his follower. You know, that fear, for that fear to be held completely at bay, you know, by the spirit that now possessed him and to just preach those words, Jesus Christ, who you crucified, he is the son of the most high God. Believe in him and be saved. Reject him and be condemned. You know, I, I implore you, accept him. You know, that message, that, that, that must have felt good. <laughs> I want to know how it felt. And then after that, I'm going to ask God for all the replays. I want to see, <gasps> I want to see what it looked like for the Red Sea to part. I love it, yes. And what it, what it looked like for the Israelites, you know, when God descended upon Mount Sinai with fire mm-hmm. and smoke and lightning flashes. You know, I, I want to see all those big, crazy moments. Yeah. You know, I'm sure the Lord's keeping a, keeping video footage of it all. Yes. <laughs> we have all eternity to watch it. I, I see 100% why you said, Peter, but I also thought of Elijah for you because Elijah called down fire from heaven. He was willing to take such a public platform. And to me, when you open your mouth, fire falls from heaven. And And I know we've just had more of a conversation, but guys, if you can... Look at some of her video footage. 
she literally is bringing down fire from heaven, igniting people with this simple but yet profound, powerful message of the gospel. You are a modern day Peter who is standing there in the crowd saying, I implore you, and I'm getting emotional, but I implore you, believe on Jesus and you shall be saved. It's not our power. It's not our strength. It's not our might. It's the power. And like you said, the limitless love of Jesus that draws people to himself. So Tamron, we thank you. We're supporting you. We're praying for you. We're standing with you across the continent of Africa to see that all of Africa will be saved as you continue carrying the baton that has been passed. And, and, and I'm so grateful for your time today. Thank you, Tamron. And I want you to just pray over our listeners, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, and we're just going to stand in agreement together. Of course, of course. Let's, uh, well, before, before we pray, let me just ask this question. If there is any listener who says, Tamron, I don't know this Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't have a personal relationship with God the Father. Listener, hear me now. Sin separates us from God. So it's got nothing to do with God's love for us. He loves us with an astronomical love. But he is a holy God. And even though he wants to come and live in our hearts here on earth and walk with us every step, he cannot because the sin that is in us keeps him out. Even though he wants every one of us in heaven one day when we die, we cannot get in because our sin pushes us out of his holy presence but this is not what god wants this is why he sent jesus the son of the most high god perfect spotless without any sin without any blemish and it goes beyond all human understanding but the blood that jesus shed on the cross that holy spotless blood that blood has the power to wash away our sin. And all we need to do is call on Jesus and say, Jesus, wash me with the blood that you shed. And if you call on him and if you ask him to wash you, he will wash you. And God will come and make a home in you. Mm -hmm. And from that day forth, you are a child of God. You are forgiven. When you die, you go to heaven. And you have peace with your creator. So if that is you. Call on Jesus, wherever you are, just say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Wash me with your blood. I want to become a child of God. Let's close our eyes and I'm going to pray for all the listeners. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you know, you know what is going on in the heart of every one of my dear friends. Lord, you know the struggles, you know the frustrations, you know the challenges. I thank you, my God, for intervening in every situation. I thank you, Lord, for raising up the valleys and flattening the mountains under their feet. I thank you for breaking in pieces the gates of bronze, for cutting the bars of iron, for making the crooked ways straight and the rough places smooth. I pray for healing for every broken body. I declare in the name of Jesus, be 
healed. I rebuke that disease. I rebuke that sickness. I cast it from you. It will be no more. And I speak life into your flesh. I break every chain that the devil has wrapped around you. I break every deception, every manipulation. Be free in Jesus' name. You are filled with joy. You are filled with peace. You will know depression and anxiety no longer. You will no longer be addicted to alcohol. You will no longer be addicted to pornography. I break those things off of you. You will be addicted to God and him alone. I speak to every believer who is not yet filled with the spirit. My God, wherever they are, I thank you. They will be baptized with your Holy Spirit right now, wherever they may be. Fill them with fire from on high. My God, I pray for boldness, boldness to speak to the lost about you, Jesus, to speak to the friend and the family member and the stranger. And I thank you, my God, that they will lay hands on the sick and they will pray for healing and you will work through them with signs and wonders of the same miracles that we see on the crusade field. They will see in their community, in their town, in their church and on the streets because your name, Jesus, has the same power and you, Holy Spirit, are the same Holy Spirit, regardless of what country and what continent we call home. So, my God, we thank you. We love you. We worship you. We adore you. Jesus, we belong to you. And Holy Spirit, we are your vessels. And we live to be your hands and your mouth and your feet in a very lost and in a very broken world. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. Season two is sponsored in part by Worley Dahlberg Yao PLLC. You can learn more about this award-winning law firm at lawfirmvirginia.com. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit angeladonadio.com for books, free goodies, and opportunities to feature your ministry or business as a sponsor. Find me on Facebook at Angela Donadio VOV and Instagram at Angela Donadio, where we do podcast giveaways each month. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's make life matter.